When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost, and my guest today is Hannah Weston. She's the co-founder of Connection Training. I quite often think about different ways that I can get the most out of my time with my horse. So Hannah and I discuss how you work on the trust between you and your horse using a range of her connection training techniques. It's a positive reward system. She explains how target practice can help. If you've got one of those horses that pushes you around, then Hannah's got the best advice for you. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Uh, When I'm thinking about having different guests to join us, to educate us within the equestrian industry, uh, I thought it would be nice for us to try something on training. Uh, I hear a lot of different training techniques and and I don't actually know, one, who to believe and whether it works. And um, we get told all these different options and things that we can use. So I thought, well, we're just going to go straight to somebody that knows what they're talking about. So my guest today is Hannah Weston. She owns a company called Connection Training. And even the name of the business in itself has me intrigued. Um, So she's going to tell us all about her style of training. How are you, Hannah? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, we've been talking a little bit about what you do. And I said, you've got to come onto the podcast and explain to us all about it. So let's start with the basics of what is connection training? Okay, so connection training is a way of training horses using marker reward training. So I don't know if you heard of clicker training with any animals. Yeah, just like dogs. Yeah, like with with dogs. So the way that it works is that you've got a specific marker signal which says to the animal, yes. And then you back that up with a a reward. And I'll get into, there are lots of different rewards and things you can use. So um, connection training is based on that principle of, looking for the horse to do the right thing using a marker signal that says yes to pinpoint that to give the horse kind of clarity and precision and then using rewards to help motivate them to want to do it again and obviously to enjoy the training the reason why we called it connection training is because we focus uh, although we it's based around marker reward training we focus mostly on the connection and the relationship between the horse and the human so Mm. um, we take the principles and can you know really see that each horse is an individual so you can apply it in lots of different ways to help suit each horse and human and horse and human combination as well. So is another word for this uh, positive reinforcement training? Yeah so positive reinforcement is just about um, adding in 
reinforcement reinforces rewards that the animal wants to work for so yes that's another term that's used as well because some i'll be honest with you hannah a lot of people say to me don't use treats because if you use treats then a horse will start to bite so going through my lifetime of having blackjack which is five years um you know i started off giving him treats i started off with natural horsemanship actually and then then i started using treats and then i got told well you shouldn't use treats because the horse will bite so then i took away the treats and then it wasn't working. I couldn't make anything work. And I was getting, going through a rut of really struggling with um, in, on the only groundwork, but getting him to listen. And then I thought, OK, well, I'll try treats again. And, and actually, he's picked it up quite quickly. So what do we do when we get to hold all this conflicting information? Okay, well, it's a great question. And it's definitely something to be to be really aware of before you get started. So um, firstly, I'd say that although we do use a, a wide variety of rewards like every if you've got a horse you know how strongly motivated they are by food you just have to see how excited they get when you start to bring a bucket out to see that (laughs) you know a little bit of something a bit more exciting is really highly motivating and that's because food is a primary reinforcer so um because all living creatures need food to survive the brain is really hardwired to look for and repeat behaviors that earn it food so it's a really strong motivator so we do use food a lot in the training um but you've got to begin (laughs) with teaching the horse how to be calm and soft and polite around the food to begin with so one of the reasons why horses start to get pushy or muggy or nippy around treats if they're kind of hand-fed without the owner being aware of what they're doing is because the horse gets excited by the treats can start to like smell them and maybe initially like they'll just have a little nuzzle at a pocket or something and then without even really thinking about it the person's like oh he kind of wants a polo and gives him one Mm. and um that then behavior then gets reinforced it would be the same like you see it a lot so if a horse is banging at the stable door when you approach with the feed bucket and you carry on and go in and put the feed bucket in you're training the horse to bang at the door Um, another one that i see which can then build into like aggressive behaviors around food are say you go in with a bucket or a hay net and the horse pins their ears and the the person's not really paying attention but you put the, the food in anyway the behavior and the emotions associated with the behavior are being reinforced so the horse starts to not even think consciously but subconsciously the the pinning the ears is the way that the food gets to them and when you're using rewards the horses start to they it's called increasing their own criteria but basically they try harder of their own volition you don't need to do more to try harder so all of these behaviors start to escalate so the little kind of nosing at the pocket leads to pushing or nipping and the banging gets gets bigger and, and louder and the ears back starts to kind of get stronger so it that's how it starts to go on kind of the 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 wrong way if you like really interesting because blackjack walks backwards for treats perfect like away from you yeah no but he just walks backwards yes away from me so so he thinks that if he walks backwards then and and then he'll get a treat and that's that's my fault because okay two points here the first one is uh I didn't want him to be pinning me against the stable in the early days uh so I'd make him walk to the back of the stable I'd put the food down he'd wait and then when I left the stable he'd go and eat his food well, I just thought I was the natural horseman of horsewoman of the world. I thought this is amazing. <laughs> I've got a horse listening to me, but it totally makes sense what you're saying about you know it's the it's the nat- their natural reward. So then, when he moved to the fields, I didn't have a stable to do that, so I'd have to walk him backwards. So he was out of my space. He wasn't 
nuzzling me, pushing me, um, and, and then I'd give him his food. So now he walks backwards for treats. So if he knows I've got some in my pocket, he won't nuzzle me or kick or paw. He'll just start taking steps backwards. <laughs> well, that's a per- perfect example, though, of exactly how the training works. So uh, mm. at the beginning, instead of the walking backwards, we basically reinforce them for, first of all, turning their head away from you, but then very quickly turn it into just stand next to me, just relax, calm, polite behavior. So that becomes a kind of default. So whereas you're saying blackjack's default might be to walk backwards, the default that we begin to train, right, the very first behavior we train is, can you just stand next to me? Nice and quietly relaxed and calm and polite. And that becomes a very strong behavior for the rest of, of the training. So that's what I need to work on so I didn't want to do was confuse him then with well now I'm asking you to walk forwards for treats you know so I guess what I've tried to do over the last few months is is give him commands so there's a command that means is that right is a command that means to move backwards a command to walk forwards a command to move sideways and he only gets very few treats I mean you're talking maybe a carrot broken up into bits Uh, but he has to do something for that reward yeah correct yeah perfect so What I, we tend to teach is that the kind of standing calm and relaxed is a, becomes an almost default behavior. So unless they're being asked to do anything specific, that's the thing that they're going to go to, their the kind of go-to behavior. And then, yeah, the commands um, or cues for different behaviors. So you could say, okay, now we're going to get backwards, now we're going to walk forwards. And it's really important that the horse understands what those cues actually mean um, mm. and that you're consistent on, in them. And then, yeah, re- rewarding good responses to your cues so he never gets a treat just for standing still because that's that's the reward is that in my head that's the and I'm, I'm giving you examples of blackjack hoping yeah, that yeah. you can tell me where we're going wrong here and um you know and offer some training advice for, for for our listeners but standing still is that's just his reward is that he's calm and he's happy so he doesn't need a, ret- a treat for doing nothing it depends on each individual horse so um for example if you've got a horse who's very kind of forward going very highly energetic if you start giving all the extra rewards to the behaviors that they find intrinsically rewarding which is being busy and doing stuff and going forwards then they're just going to want to do more and more of those and standing still and slowing down is going to become harder and harder (laughs) for them Mm. to do whereas if you've got a horse who is kind of the other way where they'd rather like snooze in the sun or have a cuddle they're not very very forwards going they're not very motivated obviously you want to then put all the extra rewards into the doing into the going forwards to help put more weight into that side so that you can get you want woe and go in balance, basically. So you want to be able to chill out with your horse and then to be calm with you and then to be able to pick up the energy. And that's whether you're on the ground or whether you're riding. So I'd say with Blackjack, is he, well, is he happy to stand quietly or does he get kind of antsy and frustrated and want to start doing things? Does he like oh, solicit no. by he's so laid back. He's horizontal. <laughs> but the interesting thing is there's three, there's three different horses in the field and three totally different personalities. So I'll explain to you the, the, each of them. You have Blackjack, who's a Frisian, who's Mr. Laid Back and occasionally spooks at things and we don't use... I mean, he gets one carrot a day. That literally yeah. is his treat. The other two, so he's, he's really laid back. Then you have a Thoroughbred who is so highly strung and flits everywhere and is really sensitive. And and I have to do all these horses. So I have to do their rugs, I have to feed them. So it's been really interesting learning their different personalities. I then have the third little pony that I think I think he's, he's a new forest pony, you know, that kind of breed, 
normally they're quite chilled. He's lovely, but he's very bolshy. So when it comes to putting their head collars on, Blackjack's fine. He'll go and have his head collar on. Frankie, who's the thoroughbred, who's really highly strung. And then Alfie is the new forest that's really bolshy. Frankie won't have a head collar put on, the thoroughbred, and neither will Alfie, the new forest pony. So I thought, well, I'll do. They're not my horses, but you know, I'll I'll do with them what I did with Blackjack, which is teach him when they come up to me, it's okay to be near me and they get lots of love and whatever. Didn't work. The love bit did not work. As soon as I went anywhere near them, they just would literally gallop to the other end. So yesterday I thought I'm going to use a carrot and just see how it goes. Frankie, the thoroughbred, pushed me over, got so excited he was running on the spot, literally nuzzling every single pocket I had afterwards, was so close in my space that I felt unsafe. And then Alfie, I had to throw carrots near him so that he realised what, what I had because he didn't even realise that I had trees. When he finally realised I had trees, he'd then come and have his head collar on, but he was the worst for being bolshy. So he was pushing me along as we were going. Yeah. So this is really great because you've got three different personalities and this is why I was saying it, you've got to vary the training depending on the individual horse that you've got. Mm-hmm. So what? Um, there are a few things that I'd say. The first thing is that everything basically comes down to emotional associations that the horses have. So if you're looking at Frankie and Alfie, when they see a head collar, they're not thinking, oh, yay, this means good stuff. They're Mm. thinking the exact opposite. And most, well, all I would say problem behaviours that we have with horses come from those unwanted emotions being triggered. So whether it's like fear or anxiety or boredom, resistance, anticipation of pain, overexcitement, all of these are these kind of unwanted um, negative emotions so it's first looking at like well it's quite interesting to see what's um you know what's causing it and what those triggers are so you're looking at okay when the horse sees the head collar how do they feel and then you did um I love your approach of going okay well let's try and make this more positive for them so trying to change their emotions to mm. one of uh, joy and relaxation and enthusiasm but then it's like okay it's gone too far the other way so it sounds like Frankie and Alfie have both got uh experience of food without relaxation (laughs) and relaxation is a place that we come to so much Um, the three of us at connection training just talk about relaxation all the time (laughs) because it's really really important you want relaxation you want high levels of enthusiasm and relaxation which is kind of a tricky balance to get and when you've got it everything becomes really quite simple Mm because um the horse is motivated yet they're they're chilled so in the case of um uh, Frankie the thoroughbred getting overexcited that's the time when it's like okay how can we just cool this down calm this down and um, be nice and and relaxed and you mentioned that you felt quite unsafe so sometimes at the beginning we work um, and this depends on the different horses but you can work in protected contact so you can work over a fence so that you're not having to constantly like shoo him out of his space out of your space which interrupts his ability to kind of learn because what's really important with the training is that they're taking a really active role in the learning so mm-hmm. they're not just kind of waiting to be like told what to do or to react to something but they're really consciously present and figuring out what you want so having a bit of distance helps because you're not having to constantly mi- micromanage them and obviously it's much safer for both of you um and in that those times just looking for any kind of softness relaxation um, breaths out lowering the head turning the head away just anything that's kind of a little bit softer and beginning with that uh, with reinforcing that um, and then with Alfie with the the backing up I'd go for something similar but with the 
bolshiness, but I'd go for, um, you know, look for behaviors of like you've done with blackjack. Can you back away from me to begin with? Mm -hmm. Can you take a step away? Can you turn away? Can you just stop? Can you slow down? And that's really important to get those bits um, in place before you kind of move on. So let's go into deeper into Alfie, who's the pony. Yeah, he has a serious attitude. He's got small man syndrome. And actually, I'd say he's probably more unpredictable than the thoroughbred. So Frankie, the thoroughbred will get so he's so excited, he could flit and run at any point, any moment. Yeah. And I don't want him to spin and kick me. That's my worry with him. Ultimately, he's a really scared horse. He's afraid yeah. of a lot of things. He's very sensitive. So the slightest movement and he'll and he'll run. So I, I get where you're going with the keeping him calm, keeping him relaxed, keeping him happy to be around you without being demanding. Yeah. Um, Alfie, I got him, tied him up, thought, well, let's have the calm time. You know, no treats when he's back. He's just got to stand there. I put a rug on him and he was disgusted that I put a rug on his back. Not not upset, worried, angry. You know, he was not worried, upset or scared. It was pure. What on earth are you doing putting a rug on me? How dare you? I don't want this rug on my back. Proper attitude. Turn around to bite me. So sat him there, made him sit for a while, made him relax. He's got to have the rug on. He's not scared of it. There's nothing wrong with it. And we just chilled there for a little bit. And I thought, okay, he was calm. He'd got used to it, realized that actually he did have to have a rug on his back. So then I took his head collar off to go, loads of love. He looked at me, literally, it was like looking at a four-year-old child. He took glanced right at me and then span and bolted off, kicking and bucking in the air. Is that attitude or are there other things going on there? Well, it's really hard to say without seeing the whole situation. And obviously this is a one-off. So, you know, horses are complex creatures. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's about, it's always about, okay, how can we get the horses to really want to do this and want to engage? No matter what negative emotions they're feeling, how can we change them? So the interesting thing, um, if you're looking at kind of like about anger and rage is that, um is is why that's triggered in horses so one of the the basis um the kind of theories behind connection training is we use a lot of looking at the neuroscience of emotions so um there's a we predominantly use the work of a guy called um yuck panksep who was a neuroscience who studied you know the neuroscience of emotions and he um mapped out these like seven different emotional areas in the brains of all mammals so these are specific mm. areas in the brain that if they're um electrically stimulated create a predictable emotional response so that's the same in um humans horses dogs cats all mammals and um the they're kind of how easily they're triggered depends on the species so the kind of just as a quick guide to them the kind of umbrella one is um the seeking system so that's about like finding the solutions to the problem so how do you find food find find shelter um, escape the predator get warm get cold whatever is needed that the seeking system kicks in to help you find the answers and that's really what we're wanting to be triggered when I said that they want the horses to be engaged in the process mm. um, and then you've got the you've got positive emotional systems like play and care which is the kind of bonding system um, and lust which we try and stay away with stay away from when we're training horses <laughs> yeah. um, and then you've got the, the <laughs> negative ones of fear um panic which is about um that comes in a separation anxiety with mm. horses and rage now as 
uh, like prey animals, the fear system is really, really easily activated in horses. So especially if you're talking about the thoroughbred, then, you know, if horses can escape, they will. They'll run, they'll get out of the situation if possible. But if they're confined in the situation and can't escape, that's usually when the rage system kicks in. So horses will, if there's a, a situation that they're not enjoying, given the choice, they'll leave. If they can't leave, that's when they'll start to get cross about it or start to get angry because their their brain's trying to find a way out of the situation and running away is not a mm, possibility. Not an option. Not an option, exactly. So if you're looking at like this rugging situation, if he'd been loose... I'm guessing Alfie would have left, <laughs> but mm-hmm. because he couldn't, then that's how, how he, why he started to show that he was cross about it. And the other thing is that it, um, if horses have had like a long history of not being allowed to escape situations like that, then it can become their they learn that rage is a more effective way to get what they need. So the way to looking at looking at behavior is that um, they're always doing what works for them, and it's very easy to get into kind of labeling horses one way or another or trying to kind of work out why they're doing what they're doing but they're all they always do what works for them what that gets them what they need and what they want so it's looking at what's actually reinforcing in this situation and how can I change it so that what I want becomes the most reinforcing thing for the horse to do Um, the good news is it can be changed then so if you do have one of these horses because the owner bless her of of Alfie was saying the other day he just won't be caught but when he's in he he enjoys the attention he enjoys being groomed and he enjoys all of that we know he doesn't like rugs because he's a rough and ready pony yeah um but you could go so deep with it because you could look at their history and you know he wasn't abused um you know he hasn't been he's very well fed he's you know he's ridden well he doesn't have any back problems all those standard things when you're looking at behavior you do have to take all the history into account but taking that into account using positive connection training we can then retrain them to not do what we want that's the wrong thing but to be to be comfortable in our space yes absolutely so there there is i mean if you look at horses like if you're saying that he's happy once he's in but he doesn't want to be caught that's a really common situation so it usually begins because the horse doesn't like what happens when they're caught being caught leads to things they're trying to avoid but over time that behavior can actually become quite habitual so it's really mm. common that when the horse um sees someone Um, approaching them in the field that they run away just from their past history it's not necessarily to do with what's going on currently so Mm -hmm. um, in those situations it's about training changing the associations they've got with a a person there's a blog on this actually where I worked with um, someone with a pony with a very long-standing history of not being caught Um, and we just changed his associations so when he started to see someone in the field he came to them rather than, than run away um obviously if it persists then you have to look at okay well what's coming next but from what you said then that's I would guess that's you know Hmm. that's definitely something that can be changed so well that's given three clear different horses and how connection training can can help them or improve their behavior we do have to take into account that treating some horses might not be right for them so when when should we not be giving them treats um i mean there's usually some kind of food you can use with every horse so if you're looking at dietary issues and um, you know i have trained horses with their normal diet so hay and grass nuts and things mm-hmm. like that um if you've got a horse who has 
a lot of um, kind of anxiety and stress around treats and food. And so I work with a lot of uh, rescue horses, but even horses who've had any kind of food deprivation, had to fight for food, all that kind of stuff. Then mm. even just the presence of food can cause quite a lot of anxiety and stress and aggressive behaviours. And what I like to do is do the training separately from the food. But I think it's really important that horses in a domestic setting are taught to be calm and relaxed around food because obviously they have people handling them and feeding them even if they're just this hay being put out in the field or they're coming into a bucket in a stable that that situation doesn't cause them stress and anxiety so we'll work kind of separately on okay can we bring food and it being calm and relaxed but the training we'll keep the food out until they've got a better association with it mm. but there are loads of other rewards that you can use so um it's about again looking at the individual horse so like strokes and scratches can be really powerful for a lot of horses especially if they're like losing their coat and things like that and um <laughs> you know like just kind of relaxed time together um you maybe your horse loves like popping over a jump you can use that you can definitely use favorite behaviors and in fact often when you train behaviors that have been quite difficult when you train that overcome them um and use a lot of reward they start to really love them so there was a pony i was working with yesterday at the rescue center who began very very frightened of people very frightened of being um touched and he needed uh, you know obviously to be able to be handled um, and the thing we've been working on recently is picking up his front feet because his feet need trimming but that was obviously really scary to begin with but the staff at the rescue center have done an amazing job mm. um, and now he loves picking up his front feet and it's like his favorite behavior and we were actually using picking up his front feet as a reward as we began to train picking up his back feet so we're like wow. hey that's great you gave your back feet okay now you can give your front foot because that's what you really want to do so you know you can see that in each individual horse that they've got different preferences um you know so like <laughs> just another example ridden um two of my horses i've got one that loves dressage and um, one that loves jumping and i like to do a bit of everything with all of them so the one that loves jumping when she gives me some nice lateral movement or some great transition i'll say okay great now let's pop over a jump but the other one i'm like okay well you popped over the jump enthusiastically now let's do a shoulder in because oh. it just depends <laughs> on their um you know their own personal preferences but they do start they do show their likes and um the things that they really love doing quite clearly mm. Oh, yeah, you can see in their body language and yeah. their ears, you know, Blackjack loves a good canter across the forest. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to a brilliant story I heard um, last week. Um, a friend of mine is a groom. She rides for other people. And she took this pony out and it bolted for half an hour across <laughs> the whole of the, the whole of the forest, up and down hills um, in a huge circle and ended up taking her back home again. Now, she's a professional groom, so she's thinking, what on earth is going on? So um, she was trying to work out whether it had back problems or what could be wrong with it. This is, uh, had a chat with the owner and she said, oh, no, he just does that. So the next day, she took this horse out again, and it bolted again. But this time, it stopped at certain locations, stopped dead. She had no idea why. So she phoned the owner again and said, today, he's just stopped three times, like full out, flat out gallop. She literally had to hang on and then stopped dead. And she said, oh, yeah, because we were having a problem with him bolting every time, I started stopping him in certain places and having rest breaks where I'd give him a polo. So now he knows that's where to stop. And she said, why didn't you tell me this so I can at least, you know, be, be aware, be warned that he's either going to bolt or he's going to he's going to stop dead. And the whole reason behind that was because she used to love galloping him across the forest and they would just go and go and go and go. So she introduced these rest breaks 
Um, and bit by bit, she's trying to reward him riding. And his reward is the is the treat. It's the polo. Because ultimately, the galloping for him, he's enjoying so much. That is his reward. And she's got to a stage, not the groom, the owner has got to a stage where she can't stop him from galloping. Yeah, exactly. So you're looking at uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. This is what I'm saying. If the horse already loves it, you don't want to then be adding too many extra rewards on top mm. because that's going to be all they want to do. So if you took a horse like that and started adding the polos in for him galloping, then it would just get the problem would get even worse. So the um, the concept of starting to add the polos in, I'd maybe do it a little bit differently. But it's, no, uh, I'm it's interested really to know beginning. how how would you do it? Okay, so if we're working with um, a horse like that where the behaviors become quite uh ingrained mm. is what I, the thing that i'm always looking for is the connection so it's the responsiveness to the rider's cues that's what everybody wants at the end of the day to be able to go for a gallop when you say but also to be able to come back down to a walk when you say <laughs> as well um and what we need to look at here is that you know setting the horse up for success so taking him to a place where he's not expecting just to gallop flat out to begin with because then you're kind of you know fighting a losing battle if you like where the the if you're always gallop on that track and you you take him there he's going to expect to be wanting to go so we're setting them up for success by um thinking about where we're going to train when we're going to train that kind of thing and then um i would begin with adding a lot of reinforcement in for listening to the rider on okay downward transitions can you stop can you wait can you you know little bits of flexions can you do circles rather than going in a straight line and start to change what the horse expects to be doing when they go out so um it almost like becomes little schooling rides basically and just as you would in the arena you're looking for okay can you um respond to my aids promptly and um, softly and eagerly and can we still do that when we're out and about and then when they've done that nicely you might say okay now we'll go for a gallop <laughs> and then can we come back down do a little bit of um some of this the more like schooling exercises where a lot of the the reinforcement is for um all the yeah yeah basically just listening to the rider and um, but the emphasis is really on slowing down and, and stopping and staying soft in that that moment but it depends on you know a lot of he, the story that you said he's clearly just learned um that you go mm. <laughs> then um my old pony toby who was the, the guy who kind of started all this um when by the time he was retired hacking out we just he just knew when to trot when to canter because we'd done the same route <laughs> so often and that was fine but um a lot of obviously bolting comes from fear and then it's a slightly different approach that you need Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's interesting. Yeah, so what, okay, so what do you do when you have a bolter that, that does it out of fear? So if you're looking at fear, then there are some more concepts to take into, um, to be aware of, which I'd be starting to look at um, impulse control and threshold. So threshold is, um, if you're looking at emotions, threshold is the kind of how much of that emotion they're feeling before they, while they can still learn. Mm -hmm. So horses can feel like a little bit of anxiety and still be able to be thinking, be present, be working things out, be able to stay connected to you. But once they go over threshold, they actually can't, their brain's just in, you know, kind of red alert <laughs> like just get out of here and that's often what happens when you have a full-on bolt the horse is not thinking they're way over threshold they're just going you can't get through to them you know that feeling it's horrible mm. um and the horse is just in a really really high state of of fear impulse control is about teaching the horses to control their impulses so um you've actually we've actually discussed this already a little bit so if you look at horses who um want to kind of push for treats and you're teaching them to turn their head away in order to get the treats then you're teaching them to control their impulse of just searching out the food and offer a different behavior instead and impulse control is really important for horses it's what mature horses have that baby horses don't that you can feel <laughs> that difference when you take a, a mature horse into a situation they can think through it whereas baby horses they don't have that so they just get really excited or they get really anxious like mm. and um so if you're looking at a fear situation to begin with impulse control then it's about setting up the situation to trigger very low levels of fear and teaching the horse that an alternative behavior being able to think through things is going to be more more rewarding that they can stay connected to you so for example what i might do is um set something up in the arena like maybe put like a tarp in there for example it's a great one you're going to uh, approach the tarp the horse maybe starts looking at it getting anxious and instead of them wanting just to turn around and run which is going to be their impulse you get them to the point where they're still able to think and you say okay can you um can you look to me can you take a deep breath can you touch this target can you take a step back and you make sure that's really really you obviously reinforce that a lot and then you take the horse away from the tarp so the next time you approach it the horse has already had an experience of okay i felt this little bit of anxiety but i tuned into you and i listened and that worked out really really well so they're going to be able to probably approach it with more confidence um, and be able to stay more and more tuned in and the more different situations and experiences that the horse has where they feel that small level of anxiety and can, are able to tune into you and it works really well the stronger and stronger that becomes so um, if you with a, a bolter of fear a horse who bolts from fear I would begin with a lot of different exercises like that first of all on the ground and then ridden gradually increasing the difficulty of the situation that they can stay calm I will also do a lot of can we go up um get fast like for example increase the energy levels so often when horses trot and canter and um, canter especially is quite an emotional gait for a lot mm. of horses because they only canter naturally when they're really excited or they're really frightened so often when they canter it can trigger those emotions so we go in the arena can we come up to trot and canter and then come back down to walk and calm down again and once they've got this practice in a lot of situations feeling that little bit of fear or feeling the excitement and coming back down and being calm and um, that becomes really strong and they're 
they then start to switch where they tune into you and say, okay, well, what should we do now in this situation? And um, then you say, okay, now can we go out and do the same things out and about and build it up slowly from there? That's incredible because uh, uh, it's, yeah, amazing. It's almost a little bit like that desensitization. Yeah. Yes. It's exactly like desensitization. And um, it's, but it includes a little bit extra where we're left looking for the horse to consciously offer an alternative behavior. So whereas mm. a general desensitization and habituation, you just have them like next to the, you have, you know, expose them to the situation regularly enough that it just becomes routine. Yes. What we're actually looking for here is, okay, you, you're feeling this, what are you going to do about it? Where they start to really think. And that's really special, actually, when the horse, like you can see them really consciously be aware of what they're doing and, and turn to you and say, well, how about I do this? Or yeah. can we come here? Or what do you think? And having that, that conscious part of it is really nice. I felt that once. And it was once in five years. And it was incredible. And it was Blackjack didn't want to go down a really steep hill. It was so mm-hmm. steep. Oh, it wasn't that steep, but it was steep for him. <laughs> you know, in his head, it was you know <clears throat> a mountain. Um, so, and, and he was really struggling with it. And, and I, I watched his ears go back. And I just said, come on, you can do it. Walk on, walk on. And I felt his whole, because he was anxious, I felt his whole body just let out a big sigh. And he did it. And he was so proud at the bottom. He was like up and you could just tell he was so proud of himself. And he was up on yeah. his toes and he was like, oh. And um, and then we just carried on walking. And I remember thinking, wow, that's the first time that I've, I actually know that you've listened to me. And I'm so proud of you for that. Um, the tricky thing for, for when it comes to riding is we do all these exercises in the school. And in the school, it works really well. When I say we, you know, I say, I mean you know riders so riders can do all those exercises in the school and it works really well they go out on a hack and you might see a pig or you might see a cow or you know there might be a cyclist and suddenly that's really scary those situations are so different every time you go on a hack you can't repeat that behavior to get them calm so how do you then make the transition of in the school to what's going really well to then out on a hack that's a really great question because you can't desensitize them to everything <laughs> that you're going to meet. But you can teach them how to, to control their impulses and to tune into you and offer them alternative behaviors that will help them to calm down and, and stay connected and deal with the situation. And those that um, does transfer from to novel situations that they've never come across. So that's, like I said, introducing them initially to... Um, something a little bit scary and then um saying well can you still listen to me in with this in you know well whatever it is going past the balloons that you've tied to the side of the arena fence or whatever it is you're working on can you still say stay um connected to me in that situation and as you do it you've gone past the balloons you've gone past past the tarp you've gone through the flags whatever it is um and then when you go out you go okay well there's a car this it's the same exercise but instead of it being balloons or a tarp or a flag it's just a car going past you say okay can you flex can you listen to me that's great okay there's a cyclist can you flex can you listen to me can you take a step back can you take a breath brilliant that's really nice and the more situations they you do that in the more it becomes um kind of habitual but also that they get they learn that if they do that things tend to work out pretty well so it becomes a much stronger behavior for them it builds a stronger reinforcement history is what we say that those tuning into you and this is where it becomes about the connection that the Mm. horse looks to you and says well what do we do about this and they trust because of the past experiences of listening to you has worked out pretty well (laughs) that um what you say is likely to be 
a good thing to do. This is brilliant. The hardest thing that, that we find not being ex- experts is that we pick up bad habits along the way, though, when we're trying to do this training. So another clear example is um, Blackjack doesn't like cars very much. Now, I have done everything. We've had cars in the arena. We've had dogs barking in the back of the car. We've had kids shouting out the window and waving. You know, we've had the little England flags on the cars. In the arena and at the field, he doesn't care. He's not bothered. There can be a parked car with nobody in it that's been there for a week and every day he will go past it sideways, snorting, staring at the car. He does the most beautiful sidesteps. It's the only time we can ever get it. Um, So now I'm trying to teach him to go past the car straight rather than... But, But we've picked up that bad habit. I'm so proud of him because he'll get past it and he's being brave and bold and he'll be the first horse forward but we've picked up the bad habit of every time he's a, he's not sure of something he goes past it sideways which can ultimately be dangerous so when you're talking about your next level of your connection training how do you then what is the next level how can you fix those bad habits that we've picked up in the beginning yeah i'm not sure that's a, a bad habit as such i think that horses are very designed to pick up unusual things and often it's that the thing that's that spooks the most is you're going around a, a, a local route that you've done a lot and there's something new there where they're like mm. that's different that's <laughs> changed um and they're kind of you know designed to kind of pick that up so to say it's really honestly it's just the same exercise but but building it doing it more doing it in a wider variety of locations with a wider variety of different objects and things so for example one of the exercises that i do with my horses is i teach them all to target so targeting is teaching your horse to well predominantly touch an object with their nose when you ask so when i say touch it means okay they've got to touch it with their nose and that's a really useful behavior for exploring the world because often the horses are anxious about these things because they don't know what they are or why they're there or what to do about them and when you say well can you touch it becomes a target and they're like oh I get it it's just a different shape target so I use that a lot like you know for example roadwork signs that have been put up on the side Mm -hmm. of the road where they start to kind of look at those and you say well it's just a target can you touch and you can see the difference where they're like oh it's a target okay I know (laughs) what to do with that because suddenly it gives meaning to the object so Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that that you can start to play with. So how, Another... how do you do target? How do you do that? Okay, so um, to begin that, and it's one of the first behaviours that we teach because it's a, a, such a valuable um, behaviour, is you take an object, usually that your horse doesn't know. It can be pretty much anything. Um, so even like a co- empty Coke bottle taped onto the end of a stick is totally fine, <laughs> would be a fine target. Um, we've got kind of specific targets that have like a white ball on the end of a stick um but you can use anything and you go so once your horse has learned okay they turn their head away they then you you say yes or you click and they get the reward they understand about the marker so the really important thing about the marker is that yes it says yes to the the right behavior but it's also known as a bridge so it bridges the time lapse between the horse doing the right behavior and being able to get the reward and that's really important because you can't reward a horse um you know immediately when they um but yeah pick up the correct cantilede or go over a jump or you know whatever it is go past the car you might not be wanting to stop and feed at that moment but you can say yes so it's important that the horse understands how the marker works and that it is um it does bridge that time lapse between them doing the right thing and getting the reward Mm. so 
once once they've learned that just standing next to you you hold out your object whatever your target's going to be and most horses will sniff it anyway because they're going to explore it and when they do you can click or say yes and um and then give them a a reward for it and you hold it out again and they look at it again and they go oh um you say yes and you give them a food reward for it and what generally happens is they do that a few times while they're interested in the object and then you hold it out and they're not interested in the object anymore because they've explored it so they start to just kind of like look around instead or maybe look for the the treats or what they can do and that's the the piece where the real learning happens because at that point you just wait until they come back and uh, often what happens is they're like oh well I'll go back over here because this has worked for me in the past so they'll go and touch it again with their nose mm. and you can say yes that's really great <laughs> and that's the the, the the piece where the horse really starts to put together that it's their action that causes you to click and reinforce and that's really important that they understand oh if I do this then it's going to lead to whatever reward you've got and um, very quickly within a few minutes for the vast majority of horses when you hold it out they'll touch it with their nose kind of wherever you present it so that's how we begin that and then to transfer it to different objects you start to hold out different objects and say touch you make sure your cue's the same so my cue's the word touch shauna uses uh, the word target <laughs> and i always she's american and i always yeah, but take the mick out of her for <laughs> saying target so do you so. use the same cues for the same horses though the horses the cues must be the same the same for the horses yes because it's really important that they under, uh, understand what you're asking them to do in order to be able to do it <laughs> and um the being aware of your cues is really important and often like people when they're working with their horses aren't necessarily that aware of what exactly what they're doing um to ask for the behaviors and cues can get really muddled and that confusion can cause a lot of can cause frustration in horses it can cause them to like quit and stop trying it can cause them to offer the the wrong behaviors um and sometimes it's just about backing up and you know even watching a video of yourself and going okay well what are my cues what does does the horse really truly understand them um so a lot of times people think that the horse knows what they're asking but actually they don't it's kind of been like a little bit of coincidence so a really common one is um young horses who have been taught to lead and often people think that they know how to lead but when you really break it down or it's in a difficult situation you find out the horse doesn't isn't that clear about what actually the pressure on their nose really means and you just have to break it down and once you've taught them that's you know it becomes much clearer and they then they're happy to respond so I think the cue clarity and making sure that the horse isn't confused and Mm. that both you and your horse know what you're asking for and how you're asking for it is really really important to Mm yeah to the success of training your horse and consistency too so it's got to be consistent behavior there's no point in teaching them to do it on the monday and then not bothering again for three weeks because you're going to be starting again all the time aren't you well yes i mean they do remember this um sean has got a great video online of when she went back to see her horse and she hadn't seen him for seven years and he remembered everything that they did together and was overjoyed so yeah they do remember it um for a long time but the consistency is important for making progress making consistent progress Mm -hmm. you have to put the time in absolutely and consistency is really important that you do things in a specific way so that the horse really gets you know can understand what's going on and is and able to respond it. really well they've got to enjoy, enjoy it, it as well you know and they've they got really to be do. relaxed as you told us at the beginning otherwise yeah. there's no point and and how long then so based on the, them enjoying it and they've got to be relaxed and stay calm throughout the training how long should we be training them for because i'm, t- I'm sure it's less than 30 minutes <laughs> yeah. okay so at the beginning especially they you 
short and sweet is generally better and especially at the beginning when they start to really um and i think because you've done some of this stuff with blackjack already it depends on the on the stage of the horse but if they're already kind of aware and thinking then they're usually able to go for a little bit longer but for a lot of horses who haven't had that kind of interaction before you can see at the beginning as the the cogs start really whirring <laughs> and they're starting to really think about it five minutes they start to kind of be needing a break so oh, wow. what i'll do is work with them for um you know 30 minutes or 45 minutes but there'll be lots of little mini sessions in between. So we'll do a few minutes and then we'll have a break together and then we'll do another few minutes and we'll have another break together. And at the beginning, those breaks are completely time off because the horse just needs some time just to kind of get a little bit of brain power back and process what they've just learned. Mm. But then as the horse gets more experienced, those breaks can be more, you know, maybe they'll just like walking around on a long rein or um, doing easier behaviors that they know. So for example, with my horses who are advanced horses, then we'll still only spend five or 10 minutes focused on teaching something new, but then we'll go and do something easy that they know um, that they're because that doesn't take the same kind of brain work. So it mm. kind of depends on how much your horse knows. If everything you're doing with them at the beginning is that they're learning, <laughs> then <laughs> they do need kind of time off. So I tend to work in very short bursts. And if you've only got five or 10 minutes, you can teach them a lot. Mm. Five or 10 minutes a day, you can absolutely teach them a lot. And at, w- at what point then do you take the treats away? And um, that's another really good question. So the, we tend to keep the, the clicks and the rewards the food rewards especially for when we're teaching behaviors so there's a process of uh, when you you teach the behavior that make sure the horse understands it that they've got a strong reinforcement history with it which means that they enjoy it that they know it that they look forward to doing it and then you start to fade out the um the clicks and the food together so i tend tend to then um, once they know it the click is really precise and that's really why it works so well. So say you're training half pass or something, the horse is going to get it and lose it and get it and lose it. And you can do, use the click when they get the right step and say, yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. And that precision is fantastic for, for teaching. But once they know it, you kind of more want to say, hey, you know, that was just a great job. And that's what I use the praise for. So once they've um, learned a behavior, I can just kind of say, yeah, that's awesome. Well done. And I tend to switch on to praise. Mm. And that's both specific words. I use the word good a lot, but also the tone of voice. And a lot of people know that their horses already respond to praise really well Mm. anyway. (laughs) Um, And then start to put in reinforces now and again so at the beginning of learning a behavior it's a very high rate of reinforcement because you want the horse to really love it to know it and to be motivated to try but once they've got it you want to put them onto um you kind of vary all the reinforcers so um you'll expect them to do more but you'll I'd still reinforce it now and again, both with the odd polo um, or piece of carrot, but also with different rewards. Like I said before, like popping over a jump or mm. having an amble round on a long rein or all those different things that the horse enjoys. And um, so it's it's quite a process, but there's nearly always I love training. So there's always something <laughs> that we're working on <laughs> um, for those kind of more intense bursts in between. It's brilliant. And it's so much fun. You talk about the so relationship earlier about, you know, the relationship between a, a, a person, an owner and their horse or a rider on yeah. their horse and and when you see them really listening it's just no feeling like it i love it's it it's wonderful my horses um i put put a video on uh, instagram actually the other week where when i come out with my tack my horses winnie and uh, they all line up at the the gate because they all want their go and you know when i stand on a mountain block they all come and line up and it's just such a wonderful feeling to know that your horse really loves it too 
and it's that that partnership so i do have one one very nervous question that i want to ask you someone once said to me that your horse thinks that you're a big apple because every they come running to you because you feed them trees which is true but i want i want my horse to come to me because he wants to spend time with me not just because i'm feeding him treats so how can i build that relationship i mean i know i know blackjack loves me so that's yeah. fine he knows where he's you know his bread's buttered and that he's safe and cared for and loved and actually he'll come up to me anyway without you know we've now taken those carrots away when it goes to going yeah. and collecting him and things but i don't want food to be the ultimate goal i want the time with me to be the goal yeah really great question so it comes down to always emotional association so when your horse sees you how does he feel is he excited is he enthusiastic is he anxious does he try and avoid you like and if you add food into the equation then that's quite a good way to bump up your <laughs> like brownie points um, yeah brownie <laughs> points with a horse but it's not the be all and end all in any way shape or form it's so much more about the communication between you the kind of you know exercises and games and enrichment that you bring to your horse so if your horse loves going out and you're the person that helps to let, let, enable him to go out and explore the world then that's going to help boost your relationship if he knows he can turn to you when he's anxious and you're going to help him feel more relaxed that's going to boost your relationship and so it's the training and um, this is why it's connection training you can't you can get a certain way just by adding food in, but there's actually a lot more to it than that. It's got to be a much more complex about reading the horse and seeing what they actually enjoy and what they need from you mm -hmm. in order to build that relationship. And also, it's really important to spend a lot of time with your horse where you're not training as well. So it's not about the training. And we really advocate that you do like little bits of training, but then spend a lot of time just with your horse just kind of being together like maybe grazing together or walking together and you know doing the training without the food and so that you've really got to look at the other reinforcers that you've got available so it's definitely not all about the food and um, there was a really interesting somebody brought this up actually at the rescue center again yesterday where there's a little pony who was really anxious to be around people at all and one of the members of staff had done a great job of building his confidence so when she went into the field he would now run over and stick his head in the head collar and she Aww. could touch him all over and that was really great and one of the other staff members had said um yeah but because the favorite staff member had been away ill and one of the other staff members was like well we can't catch him and she's like but i've been feeding him every day like surely he should be associating me with you know, these good things, why doesn't he trust me? And I was like, well, just because you've been feeding does will have built your brownie points up to a certain level, but you haven't actually been doing the, the two-way communication, the um, conversations with him. He hasn't worked through his, you know, I've been asking you questions and seeing kind of what you, what how mm. you respond to them. And it's that, um, it's really that communication that really strongly builds the trust. So obviously we discussed the next steps of building his trust with people in general rather than this one person, but it really highlighted that, you know, you can be feeding a horse and that's not enough to have the whole level of, of trust and communication. So it is definitely about a lot more than the food. And we recommend that you spend a lot of time with your horse, not feeding as yeah, well as using them, Just the letting them be a horse. I mean, I'm not being funny, but if my husband, you know, treated me like that every day, said, well, I'll give you dinner if you do this every day or you do that every day, eventually you're going to say, oh, do you know what? I really don't care. <laughs> You know, I, I, I need, there's other things that the horse needs. If you're continuously asking things of them, 
constantly, day in, day out, and not just giving them a chance to be with you, just relaxing and just literally spending time with you, then that's what they do in their herds, isn't it? They spend time yeah. with each other, not actually asking anything of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that I think that's really important. And you can, if you focus literally just on the behaviours without the, uh, without the emotional piece and without the relationship piece, then um, you can train a lot. But there's often a lot of tension that goes with it. So, mm. um, for example, you can see some horses that have been trained um, using clicker training without that relationship and emotional piece, where they're doing stuff, but there's a huge amount of tension with it. So maybe they're just like rushing through everything. They're really frantic. They can't just chill out. And that's when it becomes all about the food. And, you know, if you make it all about the food, it'll be all about the food. But the food's a fantastic tool as part of a bigger whole. Great. It's brilliant, Hannah. It's so good. And I and I can't wait to get down to the field now and do some other things. <laughs> I think I'm quite lucky. You know, Blackjack's a cool horse. Um, but I'm really keen to do more with the other two, with Alfie and Frankie. And obviously with yeah. their owner's permission. I mean, they're, you know, they're happy. They just want him to be able to be caught. Um, yeah. So they're kind of my, they're my projects. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's so much fun. Honestly, I've never had, and before I started training this way, I never had so much fun with horses. Oh, it's fab. <laughs> You've recently come back from Spain because a little birdie tells me you're opening up a centre there. Yeah. So one of our colleagues who was, she's our first connection training instructor, Claire, she lives out in Spain and um, Rachel, who's also part of connection training, um, her and Claire have set up a centre out there. So they've got nine rescued horses that is a training center so you can go out on horsey holidays and stay there and um there's a swimming pool and lots of horses to play with so it's it's really nice um yeah we've all just been out there actually because we've got um just enough first instructor group training out there so um the all of us were over there which was really really nice oh it sounds fab horses training holidays swimming pool sun yeah. The idea, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Um, well, well, Hannah, you you found you're the founder of Connection Training, and um, so how can we follow you? Because you're the one that we want all the tips from. So, are you <laughs> well, on Twitter? Uh, yeah, there's the three of us that founded Connection Training. So there's uh, myself, there's Rachel Benningfield, and there's Shauna Karash. And we are on Facebook, Connection Training, and we're also on Instagram as Connection Training, and our website is connectiontraining.com amazing well we will be following you so um send us lots of photos please and videos of what you're up to with your rescue ponies yeah we do thank you (laughs) thank you so so much thank you for having me it's been really great to chat Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can listen to previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk and you can listen on iTunes and Acast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then just hit the subscribe button because then you'll never miss a Horse Hour episode again. They download directly through to your mobile phone, making it super easy. I love seeing what you get up to with your horses. So keep tagging us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Horse Hour and don't forget the hashtag horse hour so you can see what everybody else is getting up to hope you have a great week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow amy at amy stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.